Well, good morning, guys. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and friends. I know that I did, and I'll introduce my family here in just a second. Also, I wanted to take this opportunity to welcome all of those of you that are visiting with us for the first time. My name is Chris, and I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, we hope that you have felt welcomed and accepted. And if you need anything whatsoever, if we can serve you in a better way, uh, please let us know. Also, next week, I wanted to invite all of you to a brand new series that I'll be beginning called Christmas Behind the Scenes. You know, all of us are familiar with Christmas. Mainly, we're familiar with shopping and the snow and the story of Christmas. But what we want to look at next week is behind the scenes. And what does Jesus mean to you? And how do you feel about him? And so next week, make sure you make it a priority to be here and invite some friends to come along with you. Now, you're really in for a treat, as Pastor Isaac will be teaching uh, here in just a second. And before uh, he begins, I hope that you'll kind of pray for him and encourage him a little bit, uh, both now and uh, after his teaching. Well, before I wrap it up, I do want to introduce my family to you. This is my beautiful wife, Jennifer. And this is our... Gorgeous daughter Jordan. Can you say hi, Jordan, to the camera? Yeah. Say hi. Rue. Rue, that's right. And what we want to do is show you one more piece of our family, and it's right over here. Rue, that's right. That's right. We're expecting another one, May 6th, and we are very excited about it. And uh, Jordan has already started calling uh, the baby Rue. Right, Jordan? Can you say Rue? Rue, that's right. And we will be real excited to celebrate that with you next week. And uh, you'll get a chance to see baby Rue just don't touch Jennifer's stomach, all right? Um, but uh, May 6th is when we're looking forward to it. Next week, Christmas behind the scenes. Make sure you're here and bring a friend. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Oh, that's exciting. Some exciting news. I'm starting to get very suspicious whenever Chris says, Hey, Isaac, what's your calendar look like? I need you to teach in September and then nine months later. He gives me a calendar. and that, The next time he does that, I'll, I'll be clued in, and I'll let you guys know that they are expanding their family ever so quickly. Um, well, good morning. Uh, like Chris said, I, my name is Isaac, and I am the associate pastor here at the JAR. And um, I just have to say that I love getting the chance uh, to, to stand here and um, get to talk. Usually I get to lead the music, and I enjoy that. But um, when you do that, over and over, and when you see um, all of you here and we worship together every week, it starts developing all these thoughts in your head, and um, you start processing that, and then eventually you just need a release. So um, I always look forward to this chance to kind of share with you some of the thoughts that have been um, on my heart and on my mind um, as we've been worshiping together. Um, I have to let you know that lately um, I've become rather fascinated with um, with feet. I've been, been paying attention to feet. 
I, ha I actually have, um, my own foot has a story. Um, it's wonderful. I had, um, I had an ingrown toenail when I was like 13 years old and it just kept coming back and nothing they could do for about a year. It would get infected, get very disgusting, get stepped on, and it was nasty. And eventually they just had to remove both sides of the toenail. So I have like this little, little sliver of a toenail on my foot. So ever since then, I've been fascinated with feet. Yeah, it's weird. So, um, but lately I've been thinking more about the connection between um, what our feet do and what they represent. Because when you think about it, our feet are the thing that carry us through this life. We walk places, we go places. In a sense, they, um, they point to where our desires are. Where our feet take us are where our desires are. Um, this week, it was Thanksgiving. Did all of you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, good. You have leftovers. Anybody have a favorite dish that they were looking forward to, uh, to getting? We have two people who had a favorite dish. Nobody else had a favorite dish. Well, I discovered a new favorite dish uh, this, this year. Um, I had Thanksgiving uh, with my girlfriend's family, and there I discovered peanut butter scotchies. Yeah. How many of you have heard of peanut butter scotchies? Oh, the rest of you are missing out. Now, like, I found that my feet were taking me back and forth to the peanut butter scotchies all weekend. Like, they... Um, yeah, they're all gone on my account. I'm sure they had about 12. Um, but in a real sense, my feet kept taking me there. So my feet were, were taking me to a place, and to everyone else, it was becoming very apparent what my desire was. In fact, this past week, on Tuesday, I got to go to the Ball State game, um, and they are just doing fabulous. Did anybody see that game on ESPN? Yeah, they're just doing... Uh, just having an incredible season. And the thing that I loved about the game was that in the last, like, three minutes, I'm sitting um, in the general section, and across from me is the student section. In those last three minutes, as it's becoming very apparent that Ball State is just going to totally slaughter um, Western Michigan, you can see all the students just coming down, just pressing in up to the lines when there's, like, a minute and a half left, they start jumping over and just rushing the field. And you have an announcer coming uh, over saying, we would like to remind you to kindly remain in your seat and stay off the field. Thank you for your cooperation. And you're looking and you're just saying, like, yeah, right, this is just going to totally explode as soon as this game, um, as soon as the game ends. And that's exactly what happened when there's uh, no seconds on the clock and they finally announced that Ball State won. Everybody just rushed the field. And why was that? Well, that was because the action was right there. Everybody wanted to get there. They wanted, to, they wanted their feet to take them there as soon as possible to be part of the exciting thing that was going on. And there's, um, so there's another example of where I saw that, that people use their feet to take them where they most want to go. Now, we also know that the Christmas season brings out um, the best in us now that we're after, uh, finishing up Thanksgiving. Um, which also, if you pay attention to people's feet, will tell you a lot about who they are. On Thursday, Thanksgiving, I was driving at about 3 o'clock 
as I'm driving, I'm driving by Best Buy, and I see like 10 people camped out. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, who in their right mind is sacrificing like, peanut butter scotchies unless they brought them with them? They, they could seriously be missing out on some great food, but also just the connection of family. But instead, they're camped out for 12, 16 hours to get a good deal on something. And then, I'm sure you guys may have heard about this, but on Friday morning, um, there was a situation where people's feet took them into a Walmart, and their desire was so connected with what was on inside and some good deal on the inside that they just walked right over somebody. They trampled somebody. A Walmart worker. It really causes you to think, what is the connection between our desire and where our feet take us, and what we'll do to get and to reach our desires. I'd like to um, turn your attention to the first scripture that we have. The scripture is found in Isaiah. Isaiah has something interesting to say, um, to say about feet. Now, Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus was born. So 700 years before Jesus ever walked the earth, there's a guy named Isaiah, and he was a prophet. Now, in this time, God would send prophets who would tell things um, to the people about themselves for that time, and then he would also tell them about a time when something else was going to happen. And so, um, during this time, he was, Isaiah would often use prophecies talking about when Jesus would live on the earth, and there are prophecies about Jesus' birth, and where he would live, and what he would do, and also his death. But 700 years um, before that, Isaiah says this. He says, Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And what he's saying here is, the feet of those who bring good news are beautiful. Those are the kind of feet that we want to have. What he's really doing is he's, he's saying that one day, someone is going to come whose feet are going to proclaim peace, bring good tidings, and proclaim salvation. Now I want to point you to the next scripture. So this was said 700 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. Now 700 years later, Jesus is born and he lives his life for 30 years. When he turns 30, he, um, he starts his ministry. He starts going around healing people. He starts going around telling people who he is, telling people that he is God. And so in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 4, we have Jesus. He goes to the synagogue, which is the church of their time, and they would often have people um, come up and read from the Scripture. And all the Scripture that they had was the Old Testament. So they had everything. They had the book of Isaiah and the book of Genesis and all these things that talked about God creating the earth, God calling people and calling Israel to himself, and then God sending prophets. So they asked Jesus to come up and read. 
what Jesus does is he opens to Isaiah. And he reads this. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for, of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is where um, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say to them, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, if you go back and if you look at the scripture that we read just before, 700 years before, Isaiah says, How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim peace, who proclaim salvation, who proclaim that your God reigns. So what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's publicly telling everybody, he says, I am him. Now, the beginning of that passage in Isaiah, it starts out by saying, therefore my people will know my name. What is the name that God wants his people to know? He wants them to know the name of Jesus. He wants that name to invoke feelings of peace. He wants that when we say the name of Jesus, that we, that we get a sense that he is in control and that he's who we turn to. And so Jesus just walks up there and walks with his feet and he says, I I am here. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this is really, really big. This is telling everybody at that time that what you've been waiting for, for hundreds of years, and maybe doubted would ever come, has finally happened. God has made himself known. Now, continuing on, after Jesus lived his life, he lived three more years from that time, and then he was crucified, and then he rose again. And then the church started. And he, he entrusted to the 12 disciples that he had to go and build the church, to go and let people know about who, about who Jesus is, and to teach them how, how to live together, how to, how to live out this newfound faith. And so then there was a guy named Paul, and Paul was a guy who, he started planting churches. Because up to this point, there were, the church was pretty much in Jerusalem and just in Israel and just that area. And so Paul, he starts going around throughout all the world. And he goes to Rome and he goes to Philippi and he goes to Corinth and um, all these places around, um, around Europe, around Greece um, that we know today. Whenever he would go, he would start a church, and he'd spend a few years there, and then he would leave to go start another church. And often what he would do was he would write a letter back to the people of the church that he started. Um, that'd be like if Chris started this church and then goes somewhere, and then he keeps writing letters back to us just to tell us how, how many kids he has. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, so Paul, what he does is he planted a church in Rome and then he was in some other city and he writes a letter back to the Romans, to the Christians in Rome, to remind them of something. And listen to what he says. In Romans 10:13, he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. There we see it again, that the name of the Lord will be known. And then he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how then can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So Paul, he refers to scripture that was written over 700 years ago. And the reason why he does this is because there, there's the prophecy. Jesus came and fulfilled the prophecy, and he said, I am him. The name that you are looking for, the name that you're looking for is Jesus, and now you know my name, and I've come to preach good news. And then when Jesus started the church, what he did was he called them, he said, you are now the body of Christ. When you think about that, this is the idea that Paul is hitting on. He's saying because we are the body of Christ, that prophecy wasn't meant just for that one time, that people that Isaiah prophesied that there would be beautiful feet who would bring good news, and that was Jesus. He says, no, now we are the body of Christ, so we are part of this ongoing declaration of bringing, using our feet to bring good news. And so we have the good news because we are the body of Christ. And if we're the body of Christ, then that means that we should have beautiful feet. That means that our feet should be ready and quick to bring good news to people. Now here at the JAR, um, we provide a few different opportunities for, um, for people to work out this, um, this idea of having what I'm calling happy feet, having feet that are quick to share good news. In fact, we send teams to Mexico. We send teams to Appalachia. We do things in our own community with Habitat for Humanity um, and various things, and all of that um, it, we do to show people the love of Christ. Since a jar has been in existence, we've sent two trips to Mexico each year. So in the four, four and a half years, that means we've sent nine to ten teams out to Mexico. Um, so we've connected over a hundred people from here with people in Mexico. Now because this is of something that we value and because this is something that we want to continue to do and see grow, um, we now have someone who, um, who oversees this value. And um, I'd like for you to welcome to the platform Jennifer Wilson. She is our Outward Focused Value Coordinator. While she's coming up, I'd like us all to read the mission of the JAR, which is over here. Let's read that together. Loving our community into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's everything that the jar hinges on. Here we go. How are you, Wilson? Good, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to have a conversation. You guys are going to get to listen in and kind of eavesdrop on that. So... Um, so yeah, so Jennifer, thank you for being willing uh, to share your experience. I've been able to have a few conversations with Jennifer over the past few weeks, um, just telling about the different trips that she has. Um, and so can you just start by telling us what it is that you do? Um, 
Well, my job is um, I'm actually a doctor. Um, I'm a family medicine doctor, which means I train to take care of the whole family. Uh, but I actually right now work in the emergency department. Uh, I work at Ball Hospital and also at St. Vincent's Randolph in Winchester. Um, so that's my job, I guess, that I do. Um, but one of the things that I really enjoy doing is actually helping to coordinate all the outreach events that we have here at the JAR. Um, I think that it's a, it's a great thing. I think it's a thing that kind of sets us apart from some churches that I've been a part of, um, that we do reach outside of our church doors uh, mm-hmm. to help and to, to try to impact the lives of other people. Yeah. Now I would describe you as someone who has happy feet, <laughs> um, someone who's always on the go. You know, I've been doing the course Taste of Community, and we've been borrowing her house. And in the three weeks that we've been there, I think she's been there for about an hour because she's always on the go. She's either in the ER um, or on some trip in some place in the world. Um, now, tell us where your feet have taken you recently. Uh, well, actually, at the end of September, beginning of October, I had the opportunity to travel to Kenya. Um, I went with a group from Connection Point Church in Brownsburg. Uh, two people that I did my residency with actually go to church there. And uh, they, were gonna do, they did a mission trip there, and they asked me to be a part of it. So um, I was very blessed that I had the opportunity to go. Um, we spent time um, in Nairobi, Kenya, which is the, um, Nairobi is the capital of Kenya, um, which is one of the largest African nations. Um, and uh, we, we did some different things while we were there. Um, we had a group of about 30 people, uh, and we had about eight of us that were medical. So we actually did some medical clinics with the people there. Um, we also did a vacation Bible school with the kids, which was really neat to see, um, and did some other um, outreach projects. We did some home visits to people that were HIV positive, and uh, also did a program called Bring the Light, um, the people that live in the slums of Nairobi, um, typically just the only light that they get into their home is actually from their door. So as it gets dark, they have to shut that, and then it's, it's dark inside. Um, so they, we actually put just small fiberglass panels in the roof um, so that they could actually get light from the sun. Um, and then as we did it, we had a group, we had a couple, two or three people that got up on the roofs of these homes, and then a couple of other people that talked to them about Christ. So we brought the physical light, but also the spiritual light. So it was really neat. I think we have some pictures of some of the places that you were at. And um, tell us some about what, the, um, what it was like to walk in the places um, where you were. Um, yeah, I've heard about slums before. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, reading and hearing about Mother Teresa working in the slums in Calcutta. Um, but I don't think there's anything that can quite prepare you um, for what you see. Uh, that's kind of an overview of it. I, we worked in the Mathari slum, which is the second largest slum in Kenya. They have about 800,000 people that live in about 10 square miles. Um, that counts probably a little bit off because they don't have a really good census. So as you can imagine, that's a lot of people in a really small area. Um, the homes were very small, um, kind of put together very haphazardly, not much room in between them. Um, they had very kind of just small areas that you could walk through uh, between the homes. It was all dirt. The surface um, was very jagged, irregular. Um, it was it was not anything that I think words can necessarily prepare you for or pictures. Um, it was it was a very moving moving experience. Now in Kenya, um, they don't have. Do they have running water? Uh, they what's their right access um, to? Yeah, so the people that live in the slums, they don't have water in their homes. Uh, there are different little spigots 
throughout the slums um, that are supposed to be free, but certain people will attach onto those and say that's theirs, and so they'll charge people for it. So people have to, will carry um, plastic containers, they call them jerry cans, um, and they'll walk with their jerry cans. You'll see these really little, pretty little kids carrying these really heavy cans because their parents will send them to go get the water for their family. Um, it's so, yeah, they don't have it in their homes. They don't have plumbing in their homes. Um, a lot of times they talk about flying toilets, and you want to watch out for those while you're there. Um, people will use the restroom in a bag, and then they just kind of throw it outside their home, often onto their neighbor's roof. Um, not really an insult to the neighbor, but they don't want it in their own home. So, yeah. Now this, um, when she, whenever she would tell me about her experience in Kenya, um, it definitely, when you hear it, it feels like it's something that comes from some other place. I mean, we, we live in a place where people are fighting over a Tickle Me Elmo, and then she's been in a place where people are fighting over, over water, over a water spigot. And then, as, before she shares um, some more, I wanted to share another scripture um, in John 12, 1 through 3, there's a story. This story is, um, is a powerful story because Jesus is getting close to when he's going to um, die on the cross, when he's going to give his life for the whole world. And what he did shortly before this was he had a friend, one of his best friends, whose name was Lazarus. And Lazarus had um, two sisters, he, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus died. And there's a story where Jesus goes to Lazarus' tomb and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And so this, um, the amazement of the miracle, the amazement that Mary and Martha have and how grateful they are for what Jesus did for them, for bringing their brother back, they realize how precious and how, um, how crucial and how important Jesus is. And so this is what happens. So six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, this, when it says a pint of pure nard, I'm told that this amount of perfume is equal to one year's wages. So this was, she was taking everything that she had, and she was pouring it on Jesus' feet. Not to be wasteful, but, to, but just to say, you've given me everything, and so what else do I have to give? I want you to keep that in mind, because we're remembering that the body of Christ, since, we, since Jesus was physically there, and his feet were anointed. And then later on, Paul calls us the body of Christ. When we go and serve as the body of Christ, so amazing things can happen. And that's where we'll get back into this story. Um, Wilson, or Jennifer Wilson. <laughs> Sorry. We call her Wilson. It's her, um, you're okay with all that, right? We're all family here. Okay, it's good. Um, now, in... Uh, one of the most powerful stories that she told me was on the first day, um, or one of the first days that she was um, in Kenya. Um, so can you just share 
some of that story? Yeah, um, the first, we got there in the evening, so the first full day that we were in Kenya, um, we actually went to a school and kind of heard a little bit about that, um, and this was a school that served kids from the slum. Um, so after we kind of got a little oriented, they took us out on a tour, actually, because they wanted us to see this uh, with our own eyes. Uh, so we kind of broke up into little groups, and we went out uh, with a social worker from the school who could kind of tell us a little bit about and, and help us to get around, because as you can imagine, things all kind of look the same. Um, we could have easily gotten very lost. Um, so we were walking around. We actually stopped in a lady's home, and she spoke to us, and it was a great experience. Um, then after that, as we were walking around a little bit more, um, we kind of came to an area that had some... Um, muck, I'll call it, um, that we needed to try to get across. And I'll be the first to tell you I'm not the most coordinated person. Um, and again, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how they don't have any sewage or anything like that. So there was just kind of this dark area that was muddy um, and undoubtedly had waste in it and all this kind of things. And uh, there was a rock. They're like, yeah, step on that rock and then you can get through. Um, well, I stepped on the rock and uh, didn't fare so well. Um, luckily, my foot just kind of came off of it, and my foot went down into that stuff, and uh, I quickly got across it. And uh, while we were there, we had to wear skirts. So it got on my tennis shoe, onto my sock, and then onto my leg. And uh, luckily, with the grace of God, I was able to stay calm and not, like, totally let my disgust be known outwardly. Um, and I remember I was carrying a bottle of water with me, and I thought, you know, I don't want to insult these people by using my clean drinking water to clean my shoe. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'll wait until we get back to the school, and then I'll use my drinking water. But I don't want to do it out here in front of everybody. Um, because, you know, they walk in these same areas all the time, and I'm sure have had the same thing that I had happen to them. Um, and, you know, they've dealt with it. So uh, we continued on our little tour, and... Uh, we kind of met back up with one of the missionaries, Keith, um, who's a great guy who he and his wife have dedicated their life to serving in that area. And uh, Keith's like, you know, girl, you need to get that shoe cleaned off. I was like, yeah, I know. You know, as soon as we get back to the school, I'll do that. And he's like, no, 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 you know, you need to do it now. I was like, okay. Um, so we saw a woman, and he said, this is Naomi. She's an elder in our church. She'll clean your shoe for you. And I was like, no, Keith, you know, no, that's okay. Um, you know, she doesn't need to do that. And he said, no, you know, she loves Jesus. She'll do it for you. It's her privilege. Um, and so Naomi, this wonderful woman that I had just met, uh, we walked up to her. Keith told her what the problem was. Um, and not only did she, uh, was she excited about having the opportunity to do something for me, she got me a sandal. She took my shoe off, gave me a sandal to wear, and gave me a seat to sit down in. Um, she scrubbed my shoe and it looked cleaner than what it did um, when I went. And it was just an amazing experience. Here I had gone to serve and to try to help people, and this, this woman humbled herself and, and cleaned my shoe. Um, it, and I, I said, you know, can I pay her? And he's like, no, you know, she loves Jesus. That, that's what we do. And uh, I, I just remember thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, later, when we got back to the school, I was even a little bit more amazed because Keith shared with us that the water in Nairobi had been shut off. So the little spigots, um, people weren't able to get water. hadn't had been shut off for two days. So she had been using her water to clean her clothes. And so, um, you know, instead of continuing to do that, to use what little water she had, she used it to wash my shoe and obviously wasn't going to be able to wash her clothes afterwards. So um, it, was, it was definitely an amazing experience. Um, and, and I think that she's a remarkable lady. 
the only thing that she asked was that she asked that I send her a picture back. Uh, she wanted a picture taken of the two of us, and she asked that I send a picture back to her. So I have them. They're on their way to Kenya now so that she can have a picture. And, uh, you know, I'll always have a picture of her in my heart um, because she was a true servant of Christ. And that, Wilson told me that story about a month ago. And I have to honestly say that there's not a day that's gone by that I haven't thought about that image. As soon as, as soon as she shared that with me, the story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet and giving the most expensive thing that she had and wiping that and washing Jesus' feet with that, that was the image that came to mind, that Wilson was going as the body of, as the body of Christ. She was going to serve. But in the midst of that, someone recognized that and humbled themselves. And I mean, I just imagine if that, was, if that were me. I mean, one, it, it humbles me. Because I think, what if somebody did that to me? I mean, I would fight them all the way. I would say, like, you're, there's no way that I'm going to let you clean my shoe. I come from somewhere where, you know, I'm so much more privileged than anybody um, than so many other people in this world. And so that's, um, that, that's the connection that I see between um, a woman who recognized that feet that bring good news, that those can be anointed. And it wasn't anything, I mean... I love, I love Wilson, but it wasn't anything special about Wilson. It's just that she was responding um, to, to the call and to um, the passion in our heart. And we're, we're really hoping um, in the future connect, to connect more with this community that she connected with um, in Kenya. And um, we'll keep you guys posted on what we can do um, with them. But we must move on. Time is of the essence. So... Um, the most recent trip that you took, you took a group of people from the JAR to Mexico, right? That was the most recent. You haven't done anything between then? No. Okay. <laughs> um, so how about if you give us a little plug about why Mexico is meaningful? Yeah. So we, we had a group that went down at the beginning of November uh, and had a great week. Um, I've been going to Mexico for about four and a half years now. Uh, and it's a, it's a great experience. I'd encourage everyone to at least consider it. Um, because it's a great opportunity to go down and serve. Uh, it's a community that we've been going to for a while now, and so we've really made some connections. In many ways, I feel like I'm going home when I go, when I go there. Um, I'm excited to see the people. I'm excited to see how they've changed, how, if the kids have grown at all. Um, it, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's a great trip in that uh, we do a lot of diverse, diverse things. We, we do a medical team, but we also do some construction uh, and then we just spend a lot of time playing. We spend a lot of time just playing with the kids and uh, just trying to, to, to be Christ to them and to show God's love to them um, in a way that maybe they haven't experienced before. So uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a way to kind of step out there in faith. Um, the first time that I went, I can honestly say changed my life. Um, it helped to reconnect me with Christ. Um, and got me connected with the with the jar, and I, I couldn't imagine it. Um, I couldn't imagine where I'd be if I hadn't taken the trip. So I'm I'm very grateful um, that I had the opportunity, and very grateful that I have the chance to go back so often. There are a lot of people that would share that same story and that experience. Um, in fact, if you've been on a Mexico trip, or if you've been to Appalachia, or if you've been um, on any of the mission trips that we've done, Mississippi, um, then I'm going to ask you to stand real quick. All right. I'm going to give you a hand. Now, you are all people. If you're sitting next to one of these people, 
these are people that you can talk to. These are people that you can ask, what was, the what was your experience in that place, and why, um, why should you think about taking part in one of those trips? Because our next one, um, our next trip to Mexico, at least, is in May. It'll be in May, and we're going to Appalachia in April. Yeah, so there are two opportunities for you guys um, to get involved. And I think, um, when I really think about it, like in the midst of the, um, the economy the way that it is, um, and when people think about what's, what's the best thing that I could be doing um, while saving is important, while cutting back is important, I also think that serving um, is important because I think it reprioritizes um, things in your life. I, I can think of times growing up where, uh, where my dad lost his job and different things and where we made some serious cutbacks um, at Christmas time, but we also did things um, to serve those in our community and that... Um, that experience meant so much um, to bringing us together. So, um, so I'd like to encourage you with that. Now, in Mexico, there's one more story that Wilson is going to share. Um, and just to keep in with the theme of happy feet, she told me a story where, um, where she got to see something um, at a landfill in Mexico. And how would you share that? Um, yeah, so one of the places that we go when we're in Mexico is um, we actually go to a landfill. And uh, this last trip that we were on, it was funny. Somebody asked me, oh, is that another neighborhood that you just call the landfill because it's by the landfill? And I said, well, no. Um, it's actually a landfill. It's a dump um, where people's trash go. A lot of trash from the United States, I'm sure, ends up there. And there are a group of people that um, are very underserved people that actually work there. They, they make their living by going through the trash and finding anything that can be salvaged or be recycled or be resold. Um, it's a very dangerous job. Um, obviously, there's a lot of dangerous stuff in the trash that they go through. Uh, they're also um, the people that bring the trash in, the dump trucks, um, don't really watch out for them all that well. So, you know, people get hurt every year, and uh, I have no doubt that people die every year working there in the landfill. So uh, it's a place that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, we had, we've had a couple of trips where we weren't able to go to the landfill for different reasons, and it just never quite seemed complete to me. So it's, it's a place that has a very special place in my heart. It's where I broke down the first time I ever went. I had made it through the whole week without crying, and that day I finally did. So um, it's, a, it's a very neat experience. Um, we always take our whole team there, and we pass out food. We pass out water. Water is a hot commodity there. They also don't have a, a source for clean water. So, you know, we take somebody a bottled water, and that's, that's gold to them. Um, so, but this last trip that we were at, when we were there, um, we had a really smooth entry into the landfill, which isn't always the case, and we were seeing a lot of patients, I mean, people just kind of flocked to us, um, we were, you know, giving medical care, we were handing out, um, school kits, hygiene kits, food, um, and all of a sudden I look over, and there's one of my teammates standing in her socks, I'm like, okay, like, this is not the place to take your shoes off. Like, I don't, you know, if you've got something in it, but you probably really should be in the van. And then I look over and I see that um, not only is Cindy Martin just standing there in her, her socks, but there's a woman that's there who she has now given her shoes to. Um, Cindy had taken a pair of work boots, and she kind of asked me, she's like, is it okay if I leave them at the, the landfill? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm sure that somebody there could, could really get some use out of them, and they would really be put to good use. And I kind of envisioned that after we finished, she would take off her boots and give them to somebody. I didn't really know that she would take them off in the middle of it, but um, to see the smile on that lady's face um, was is, is again another memory that's going to be um, emblazoned in my heart. Um, Cindy gave that lady so much joy and was definitely 
was Christ to her that day. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's thank Wilson. I find those stories um, amazing and um, really just moving. Um, remember at the beginning, I was talking about how, um, how our feet, uh, if we watch where our feet take us, it often points out where our desires are. Um, it's, just, it's just refreshing to hear stories where um, we're in the same week where um, people have feet that are so enthusiastic to celebrate on a football field um, or to get a good deal at a store, that there are also stories of people who are so enthusiastic that they would take their shoes off in a landfill, um, or that they would jump at an opportunity to wash, um, to wash filth off of someone's shoe and off of their, off of their feet. And that, that's the kind, um, that's the kind of person that I want to be. And that's the kind of people that I believe we want to be, um, as we think about what role does God, does God have for the jar in our world um, and in this community? I'd like to um, just to point out this uh, sheet that you had in your program. This is something that we're going to do um, in our community. We, uh, we did the food drive for Thanksgiving, and our goal was to get 300 boxes of mac and cheese and 100 jars of peanut butter, and we had something like 350 mac and cheese and over well over 100 um, peanut butter jars, um, which was just encouraging. And so, um, so we looked at that and we said, well, Christmas is coming, let's do it again. So we've connected with, with Southview um, Elementary, and um, we're kind of going to be a sponsor for them. We've done a few things for them uh, since the beginning of the year. Um, but one of the things that they have a growing concern for is that... Um, a lot of the students who go there, over 80% of the students there are, um, get the student lunch, which means they get their breakfast and their lunch um, provided by the city. And what this um, leads to is that people are concerned that when they go on breaks um, and they go home and they're just home, what, what are they eating? What, um, what resources do they have? What resources do their parents have if they're, um, if they're not able to... Um, to be well-fed during, uh, during the week without the assistance. So we've identified um, 14 families, and there's a list of things that, um, that we need. And so you saw that the band was wearing these one shirts with the number one. I'm wearing one. Um, we wear these the last week of, of the month to remind you that the first week of the month, we bring um, items. We bring either food or some item that our that the needy in our community um, needs. So um, this year or this next week, um, these are the things that we need. And um, so we have next week and the week after to bring those here so that we can um, impact people um, this Christmas as well. And, um, and if you have any questions about that, you can, um, you can call the office and we can connect you with more um, information. But this is a way that um, that we really just want to serve our community um, and have feet that bring um, that bring the good news. And so that's um, that is what what I want to encourage you with. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to close with a song that um, that Chuck wrote called "Hands and Feet," and um, and it's a song that just 
comes out of our desire because, because it's our mission to reach out to people. Um, you know, Christmas is coming and we, we have, we have the thing that, that brings the most hope to people. We have the thing that in the midst of an ugly economy, in the midst of, um, of everything that, that goes on in this city, um, that we, we can be people of hope. And that we can let people know that there um, that there is a way for them um, to be repaired. And so let's just pray, and, um, and we'll pray for those needs, and then we'll close with this song. But God, we just thank you for this day, and um, God, we thank you for these passages and for these um, stories that um, just connect us with. Um, with people that have uh, feet to serve. And God, we pray that that would um, become more and more the desire of our heart, um, that our feet would take us to good places, that our feet would take us to, um, to the poor, to the broken, and, um, and to those around us who need hope. Um, and so God, we just um, pray for, for Southview and for the families that we're going to um, reach out to. And... We just pray that um, just that you would go with us throughout this week. Um, and God, just please give us a constant reminder. Give us, um, give us a picture of Naomi washing feet um, or Cindy standing in her socks just to remind us of, um, of what's most important. And we just thank you for who you are and for what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. And 
You're dismissed, go knowing that you are always loved in this place. Have a great week.